This is a podcast about sound, how it impacts your life and the people who are creating the sound of the future. Welcome to Powered by Audio, supported by EPOS. Based on pioneering audio technology, EPOS strives to unleash human potential by perfecting audio experiences. Learn more at eposaudio.com. I'm Randy Zuckerberg. These days, much of our world is online. It's where we play, shop, socialize, entertain ourselves, and communicate. Hear that? Our first guest created that sound to let you know that someone is trying to get in touch with you. We've come a long way from this. Josh Mobley's occupation didn't even exist a few years ago. He adds audio to enhance our experiences as we interact with technology. If you have ever played heads up while waiting in line at the amusement park, edited your website on WordPress mobile app, or organized your day using Clear, you've heard Josh Mobley's work. Josh, welcome to Powered by Audio. Thank you for having me. Hello. I love it. See, now I feel like I can use the proper technical term for what you create rather than just, you know, those cool sound thingies. Okay, so you've created so many of these UI, these user interface sounds. What would you say are some of your greatest hits? I would have to say Clear and Heads Up are by far the most well-known. I suppose the most heard would probably have to be the sounds in WeChat because, you, you know, Talking over a billion users sending back and forth money during the red envelope season, you know, probably been heard 16 billion times. So, I mean, I have kids. We play Heads Up all the time. For those who don't know, Heads Up, it's like a trivia app. You put the phone on your forehead and it has a word on it and everyone else has to describe it and you have to guess what word is on your forehead. But... When you get it right, you do this phone flipping action and it makes this very satisfying sound. You designed that and maybe you can explain kind of what the sound is and what it's supposed to elicit in people. That sound is like the ultimate reward mechanism. Like when you are able to have a physical motion where you're like twisting your hand and bringing it back up to make the sound It's a sonic reward that lets you know that you can move on to the next thing. And it's the ultimate reward. It's like that dopamine burst you get, but like in audio. Yeah, super dopamine burst. Okay, so what about clear? I'm not quite as familiar with clear as I have with all those hours that I've logged playing heads up with my family. So maybe you can describe a little more what's happening in in clear. Well, what clear basically is, it's it's a task manager for getting things done. And then... When you are able to archive all of those tasks, you get a sound that is, it tries to tap the same part of the brain that the heads up success sound does, where, you know, it's just supposed to be the ultimate reward for a bunch of tasks completed. And that's essentially what clear is. I love it. Okay, so another noticeable trend is that all these appliances that we've used for years, washing machines, stovetops, thermostats, bottle warmers for my baby, you name it, they're all creating sounds that kind of give you a certain feel. Maybe if you can give us an example of this trend and what you've noticed. (laughs) Coincidence? My washer and dryer. They make (laughs) great sounds. And it's lovely. I love it. Actually, I think I've memorized the sound that my washer and dryer make. It's like, 
do, 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 <laughs> when it's done. And, that, and then I'm like, wow, I feel like I accomplished something. I know. It, it's a participation award. So, okay. So what is a tactile sound? Well, a tactile sound is usually something that's very short and has a, a pretty hard transient to it, meaning the initial sound, you know, imagine a kick drum, right? When you're kicking down, there's that, like especially in Metallica songs, it almost sounds like there's a, a coin uh, taped to the drum head. And when you press on the screen and you get a hard thunk, and it almost vibrates the phone, that would be more tactile. And then when you add uh, haptics to it, you know, where your phone vibrates when that tactile sound plays, it, it uh, increases that experience. What would you say is one of your your favorite kind of sounds that's out there, tactile or, or not? I'm going to use my own work, um, the sounds that I did for speakers. As you move your finger along the three buttons, there's uh, sounds that are very tactile that are you know, almost like popping sounds. And as you raise it up, they get louder. As you raise it down, they get lower, but you can almost feel the sounds on the speaker. That is very cool. I've played heads up for hours and never given that much thought to that sound. And it just, it so enhances the experience. What is your creative process like? Like when just someone comes to you and says, we need a sound that does X. And then how do you go from just like a, a brief to actually making a sound? I download the app and I play with it. And I just... I don't know. It's the strangest thing. I just start hearing things as I'm touching the screen. You know, half of it is the sounds that I initially thought of when I was playing with it. And then the other half is just pure improvisation. You know, shaping and molding sounds until they have that thing where they just sound right. And then I present it to the client and they're either like, this is incredible, this needs work, or that's horrible. How can you tell when something is right? Because I feel like the little things you notice would go so far over most of our heads. So for me, when I'm working on something, I feel like I could keep tweaking it forever. How do you know when it's done? It's never done. It's only surrendered. A lot of times it's the things that you don't hear. Like I'm always the mantra that less is more. And when a sound settles into a really tight animation or it just flows like, it sounds like it was always meant to be there. That's when I start handing it off to the client. It really comes down to a matter of taste. It's really um, a beautiful art form. Are there any sounds out there that you've heard that you're like, oh, I wish that I had been the one that came up with that one? Yes. You know those massage chairs that are just everywhere in malls? You know, well, I remember we were shopping for a couch and they had this whole line of massage chairs and I just sat down on one as a goof and I was playing around with the remote control and I, the sound that it made was just fascinating. Uh, it was just like this tiny bit of white noise with a little pop, almost like a, but better. And I heard it and I was like, I wish I had made this sound. I, I even recorded it to study it later just to to see how they did it because I thought it was so well done and so tasteful. And like most people, it's just like, okay, I'm just, they're letting me know that I'm doing something. But to me, I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, brilliant stuff. 
you know what? I'm taking this as a personal challenge. I'm going to walk through my life being more conscious of, of these sounds because I feel like they're just, they're in the background and I've never paid attention that someone like you is spending hours and hours crafting the perfect sound. Is there a medium that you're excited about in the future that you haven't had the chance to, to design for yet, like virtual reality or, or any other settings that you, you're excited about? I would say augmented reality and positional audio. So if you have like a virtual uh, kitten meowing, let's say, on your desk, and you're looking at it, but then you turn and look at the door, the cat, the sound is still positionally in the same space that it was when you were looking at it. Almost like, you know, like if you're looking at your dog and he's, you know, barking and you turn your head, it still sounds like he's barking behind you. So interesting. And uh, I know a lot of the problems in VR and AR to date have been because the audio doesn't sync up with your your visual field moving so that uh, you are needed. You know, having all these user interface elements, you know, with positional audio, it's, what does that sound like? And with the right person, it sounds amazing. I'm very excited about it. And I would love to work in that field. You've given me so much food for thought. I am never going to take for granted the amazing artistry behind user interface sounds again. Josh Mobley, thank you so much for being here with us today on Powered by Audio. Oh, thank you for having me. Powered by Audio is proudly supported by EPOS. Clear sound in any environment is important for doing business. With innovative voice enhancement technologies, EPOS allows you to hear and be heard perfectly, making it a lot easier to perform at work. Whether it's talking to customers, working across time zones, or listening in when decisions need to be made, it's about communicating and collaborating with efficiency. Find out more at EPOSAudio.com. Josh is truly an amazing artist, but science is involved in the creation of audio too. Marketers invest a lot of money in audio, sounds that are designed to get your attention, enhance your perceptions of brands, stick in your memory, and influence your behavior. Some of those marketers turn to Scott Simonelli to help them make the right audio decisions. His company, Veritonic, uses consumer research to measure the effectiveness of sounds for companies like Pepsi, Subway, and Visa, among many others. Scott, welcome to Powered by Audio. Nice to virtually see you, Randy. Yes, likewise. Now, we've all heard of AI or artificial intelligence, but you've given those letters a new meaning. Uh, We call it machine listening and learning. So you've heard artificial intelligence or machine learning. We think machine listening. And in some ways, the AI or kind of artificial piece of what we're working on is really training a machine to listen like a person and respond and kind of predict the way someone would respond to what they're hearing. So tell me, walk me through how this works a little more. How do you train a machine to kind of hear and process uh, and react to a sound the way a person would? Sure. So we we kind of look at four main areas. We look at emotional response. We look at engagement, kind of just how engaged somebody is over, over a period of time while they're listening. We look at behavior, both pre and post exposure. And then we look at intent. Right, so in a piece of audio, whether it's a spoken word or music or a functional sound or anything that has a sonic profile, there's so many just factors in that. It's kind of think of it like a, like a fingerprint for sound. And then we also look at human response. So that's the other side. So the way to kind of predict how somebody's going to feel is, is really to kind of measure the response of a lot of people until you can start to 
say, well, if I had somebody else like this person, what's the most likely outcome? And so you can start to narrow that field to kind of predict how something's going to happen. So you kind of marry that human response with that sonic profile and say, well, if Randy heard something that sounded like this, she's likely to experience these emotions, have this kind of level of engagement. So we kind of take those things and kind of look at them uh, kind of in the aggregate. And and look, it didn't happen overnight. It took probably about four years of collecting data like this to get to a place where you can even start to have confidence in what you're predicting. At the end of every year, Veritonic publishes kind of the best of audio logos. So who made the top of the list this past year? Because I feel like I don't even spend that much time thinking about audio tags. But now that we're having this discussion, there's, you know, dozens of them are popping into my mind. They kind of hide in plain sight. You know, everybody knows the visual brand of popular companies or places you shop or or companies that you interact with or products that you use. Um, You may not think about the, the sonic identity for those same brands, products, and services. And so one area that we, we see a lot of, of strength is in the insurance industry. So you look at Nationwide, which is probably the, you know, the gold standard of audio logos. And once one kind of leader in, in the industry gets good at something, the others have to kind of be good at it too. So State Farm's actually catching up. And if you watch football, you see and hear a lot of State Farm ads and they all have the audio logo at the beginning and the end of the ad. It's not even saying the like a good neighbor or singing it, it's just playing it. So it's reinforcing it constantly. So you see that that industry do really well there. And that's one area where we've seen fantastic performance um, year in and year out. And one area that I would highlight that's very 2020 specific, which has been a very interesting year to say the least, has been the entertainment world. Netflix has made a huge leap in their sonic identity over the last two years, partly because it's not just an audio logo that occurs in ads like Intel. Like Intel was just ubiquitous. It also appeared in a million different ads at the end and just became reinforced. Netflix has used their audio logo as a functional sound. And as more products use voice as a user interface and the more products we interact with that's going to become more and more important. So that would be the new kind of in vogue thing that happened in the last 12 months where Netflix is just getting used a ton. Everybody's home, they're watching tons of Netflix and they're hearing that audio logo every time they turn on the app or or watch a show. So that's been really well reinforced. It's so interesting you say that because I feel like I've hit the end of Netflix. I've seen everything there is. And I'm sure that that sound is buried deep down in my psyche, but I can't call it up the same way I can with like NBC, like the do, 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 like, which is like right in the, like the front of my head. Now you're challenging me to kind of listen for these audio tags a little more. So if you were advising a marketer right now, what would you advise them to make their audio memorable and really effective? Well, it actually ties back to what you just said, really, which is Netflix actually is not that great sonically. And it doesn't score that well on our system based on just the the sonic composition of it. But because, you know, the other factor, right, is, is just how much you hear something. And so, you know, you start to associate it. So Netflix has done a great job it's an okay sonic logo. You're not going to remember it as well as some others. And that's partly because it's not melodic, right? Melody, like the NBC chimes, which you, you kind of highlighted, um, when something's melodic, it's why we sing the ABCs and things like that. Like it's, it's easier to remember something. It's got a higher recall score if it's melodic. So I would advise marketers, first thing would be, make sure that you're investing in uh, high quality sonic content. It's not something you can shortcut. And humans are really good at, in the same way when somebody tries to animate a human, it's like the hardest thing, Right. We know it's not a real person. And when something doesn't sound right or isn't memorable, isn't, isn't high quality 
from a sonic standpoint, it's just not going to do well. Even if, and you could spend a billion dollars kind of playing it every five seconds, but that's, so that's the first piece. So use a sonic branding agency, have an audio strategy, think about, does this sound like my brand and, and the attributes that I try to convey? You wouldn't just throw your logo out there in any color um, or just throw it out in any font or any of this other stuff. And so, so that's the first piece. The second piece, and I'll give three <laughs> uh, to keep it short. The second piece is understand the power of the human voice. Brands that say the name of the brand, use a voice or that sing the name of the brand when possible, that sort of stuff. The human voice is the most powerful thing you can do. It's unbelievable the variance we see in our, in our data on something that is a voice versus something that is just musical or making a sound otherwise. And we measure a lot of audio ads. Like, so we're ingesting every audio ad on the planet and measuring every audio ad. We're also, we partner with Audible. We're doing audio books and we do podcasts, all that stuff. And so the human, this response to human voices is just a powder keg of data. It's just so rich. And so if you're, as a brand, that's a double-edged sword. You have to work not just to have one voice for your brand. That's not good enough. Your brand has to sound like your audience. So you have to use voice in a way that's representative of the population and is diverse and is representative of all the people that you're trying to have a conversation and relationship with. And the final piece I would say is, and this isn't, you know, not to be self-serving with Veritonic, but like with every other piece of marketing, right? Think about the internet or print or all these other industries where they've been successful and grown into large platforms where commerce and all these other things happen. You have to be able to measure it. If you've followed the best practices and you've created high quality content and you're investing, you have a great audio strategy. If you're not measuring to see if it's working and then reacting to that response, you know, there's no way for it to be successful. And the internet's been a fantastic paradigm for that, right? The internet is so measurable. Every interaction, every click, every behavior is quantified. My first company was the first company to go to market with an AB and multivariate testing solution for the internet. And I remember in 2001, 2002, people were like, well, I can say click here or submit. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't cost me anything to change that button. And as we all know, it, it matters a lot. Being able to measure audio that way, that's, that's our mission as a company, but it can't just be Veritonic, right? There's obviously thousands of companies that help you measure things online, for example. And there hopefully will be thousands of companies that help marketers and brands understand the impact of audio across every, every stage. I'm curious, you know, the world obviously is going through very challenging times right now on so many levels. And uh, some brands have more kind of happy-go-lucky audio themes. Others have more neutral. Do you recommend that a brand change or reflect the mood of, of society or stick with what people know? If you've got a solid strategy, if you've got guidelines around how you use audio, then you have the ability to adapt it to the situations that are appropriate, right? Whether it's 2020 or 2021 or a TV ad versus a radio ad or things like that. And, and the, great, the great brands, if, if you pay attention, like Let's take Nationwide, for example. Nationwide can treat that logo a lot of different ways, right? They can have Brad Paisley singing it. They can have it be in a heartfelt ad about families and COVID. State Farm did that really well as well during the, during the pandemic. And so the key, though, is you've got to have a foundation and guidelines in the first place. It should be highly targeted and highly dynamic. But if you don't have a strategy in the first place, it's very difficult to be targeted and dynamic. Scott, I, I want to shift gears just slightly to consumer audio. So based on everything that I'm learning today and my mind is kind of blown by everything. How should we be thinking about the role that audio plays in our daily lives? The interesting thing we're starting to see is, is voice is a new frontier. The first thing is, is you kind of have this three-headed monster of podcasts, right? So as a consumer, you have access to all this content, but there's a podcast for you no matter what you're interested in. And the great thing about that is you can consume it anywhere. 
walking, cleaning, and every, any book you'd want to read is available as an audiobook. I mean, I exclusively listen to audiobooks because when you're traveling all around the world and doing all the stuff like I used to, and hopefully we'll be again soon, you know, I'm not like Bill Gates where I've got my bag of books. I've got Audible. So you can consume that content, whether it's music historically, but all this audio content wherever you go. And then the, the third piece that consumers are getting now is, is voice as a user interface. And that's starting with the smart speaker. What's crazy to think is when we started Veritonic in 2015, the smart speaker like didn't really exist, right? And here we are with like, I always use the analogy, like my children, I have four children. And the younger ones, they're voice first. They expect to just shout out whatever question they have and somebody is going to tell them the answer, you know? And, and, but they expect devices to interact that way rather than typing it. Whereas, you know, my, my generation, you expect to have to type something in. There'll be other places you know, in our lives where we expect voice as a user interface to be a big part of, of the consumer experience and a part of our lives. Absolutely. So in our final moments together, what has been a sound that has been very influential in your life or, or career or kind of the most, most memorable? I remember I had an older brother and I remember putting that first tape and I had a tape recorder. <laughs> and I put in uh, Revolver by the Beatles and I didn't know what it was. I was you know, six years older. And, that, and from that day, I just, I, it had me. Hook, line, and sinker. I was all in. I'm just one of those people that, that I'm audio first, you know. And what's exciting about that, you know, and, and look, I'm not the first person to, to have the Beatles uh, change their life, that's for sure. Um, but it was quickly followed by a million other things. I would just add to that is, is my point about, you know, earlier about the human voice. In researching audio 24 hours a day for the last seven years, you know, I had two other companies prior to this. The human voice is everything. And when you think about the Beatles, they could, it's all right there. It's all in the, in the voice. And you, the, the power of the human voice is such a big deal. And I think we're going to see more and more of that over time. So I would say like that's, it's such a diverse thing to study is the human voice. And, and we're really excited to see where that goes. Well, we too are huge Beatles lovers in our household. I know you have really opened my eyes and my ears with this interview. I, I don't think that I will walk through the world the same way taking little sounds for, for granted. So thank you so much for the insight, Scott, and for being here with us today to be part of Powered by Audio. Awesome. Thank you, Randy. Thanks again to this episode's audio experts, Josh Mobley, sound designer for tech like WordPress, LinkedIn, games, and apps, and Scott Simonelli, founder of audio researcher Veritonic, on the next Powered by Audio. It's been said that one person's trash is another person's treasure. Likewise, a sound that's considered desirable or pleasing to one may be noise to someone else, and that other someone may be living in the apartment below you or trying to work in the cubicle next to you. We'll talk with people who try to turn down the noise and turn up the sound that makes us happy and productive. That's on the next Powered by Audio. Speaking of audio, if you like what you heard, give us a review and be sure to subscribe to receive the next episode. I'm Randy Zuckerberg. Thank you for listening.